Nuclear proliferation. Global pandemic. Famine. Environmental genocide. War. Mankind teeters on the brink of a second dark age. Everywhere you turn, chaos, anarchy, and shadow. In these bleak days, under the fading light, where businesses and the little guy are left for dead on the side of the byway, and people cry out for the rule of law, humanity is at a breaking point where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and everything good seems to have been barred, or banned, or barred. Two men offer up their voices in the darkness, a shining beacon leading the huddled masses into the safe harbor of good business practices and occasional time travel. Here are your hosts, the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham, and L. Bradley Sheaf. Well, there it is, buddy. Feelings, one of the great songs that seems to be apropos of everything going on in the country this week. Uh, what do you think? Did you enjoy it? Well, I always enjoy it, my friend. Again, it's not it's not my wheelhouse, that, that genre of music, but, I mean, it's musical. There's nothing to complain about there. It's not from the 80s. We, we try to do 80s here. That's what we do. Yeah. Well, in any event, um, Brad, I think uh, everyone is excited. IP Frequently back. For another week back from uh, our week uh, uh, in the uh, in the wilderness, so to speak, where we tried to get to the bottom of some of these Fauci emails, which we are going to talk about today. Yeah, that's good because I mean yes, I, I would hate to think that we spent time in Wuhan for nothing. Yeah, so it's we've not got like that's a glory spot. Freedom of Information Act, all that stuff is happening. Everyone loved the wheel of IP that we uh, we uh, spun a couple weeks ago, but obviously that is now broken, so we can't use that. But we have sorted through all of the uh, news, everything that's going on, and we've determined that the best place to start in a world that is ravaged by pandemic, in a world that is leading us to the brink, in a world that is really not being led by adults, but by men in diapers, is relationship rehab. That's what we're doing first? That's what we're doing first, of course. Everyone loves this. Relationship rehab, and we have got an urgent tweet that is time sensitive, if not urgent. And and Brad, I will say also this, we have a special guest star who is going to help you dole out relationship advice. But let me get to the tweet because it may not be time sensitive anymore. I'm not sure. Dear Brad, I want to thank you for your service to all of the people who listen to your advice each week, regardless of the pronouns they use. You are my rock, my lighthouse, my beacon in the harbor. I'm not sure where this is going, but I'll read it. Today is my wedding day. It's an Indian wedding. Anyway, uh, this is time-sensitive advice I need, so I'm asking it in a tweet. Uh, My fiancé has just had a massive heart attack and died on our wedding day. While my fiancé was being pronounced dead, one of the in-laws suggested that her younger sister step in and marry me. Yeah? Uh, The families have all agreed on this transaction. Again, it's an Indian wedding. Should I do it? By the way, I'm a big fan and I love the t-shirt. Love Carl. 
Um, so Brad, the special guest star is my lovely wife uh, and um, author extraordinaire, Emberly, who is going to step in, who wants to see if she can give some of this sound relationship advice. We've got an Indian wedding, a dead fiance, a sister-in-law in heat. Emberly, what say you? Wow, I don't know if this would be a, a good idea. This could be life-changing. I don't know if the sister looking down from heaven would approve. Well, I mean, I, 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 I know if it were me, I, I wouldn't approve. Well, you wouldn't have a problem because I wouldn't marry your sister. Um, <laughs> but Brad, what do you, uh, what about, I mean, you've given out advice. I assume you've, you've come across this exact situation before. Well, this does tend to happen four or five times a year. Now, the, the question, the first question I would have here, and I, I don't know if we know this, if, if you know, there was a follow-up tweet or what, was, was this marriage arranged? Uh, you know, from the groom's perspective, if you were being entered into an arranged marriage to begin with, you know, I mean, option A, option B, it's probably much of a muchness to you. However, if this was a marriage of choice between the bride and groom, and obviously, therefore, a matter of choice for the prospective sister-in-law slash potential bride, then I, I do think you have to give folks an opportunity to speak on their own behalf, if you will. Um, so uh, I vote for the sister stepping in. Uh, Brad, how do you vote? Sure, yeah, I, I'm fine with that. I think things will have a tendency to work themselves out. I think that'll be fine. Em? Hmm. I think since everything is set up and the gifts have been sent, Yeah. And it's she's the next best thing. Yeah. And you don't mind. Why not? Yeah. The groom seems like he's in for it. So just do it. Why not? So we'll tell Carl, Patrick, if you just tape in, type into the uh, Twitter machine, uh, let Carl know that uh, he should go ahead and go on with the uh, with the, the big uh, the big nuptials. Uh, so next we go to Newsreel, which is our famous segment. So I guess, Brad, the number one item is the Israeli government falls. Um, there is a new. Uh, moderate coalition taking over in Israel. How would th will this impact the listeners of IP Frequently? Well, uh, you know, probably not very dramatically, at least directly, right? I mean, Netanyahu, I mean, I mean, Netanyahu has been for, I mean, as long as I can remember, and I have been dealing with the Middle East for a long time, he has been a key power player in Israel. You know, for the, these machinations to be going on in the Israeli government is a big deal for that entire region. Um, Netanyahu has certainly been an ally of the United States. And so I guess we'll just have to see if the you know follow-on coalition is likewise an ally of the United States. I suspect they will be. It's not exactly in Israel's best interest, given its neighbors, to uh, not try to maintain friendly relationships with the U.S. But I, I guess it just remains to be seen. But tough times in Israel. I mean, we, we are our lunacy here in the United States and our inability to govern ourselves or speak with any clarity is certainly not helping. I think people, you know, don't have any idea the ramifications that a, you know, just frantic, unguided United States has on the rest of the world. But much like Indian weddings, sometimes you just got to pick up the pieces and move on. Okay. Well, one of the nice things I've seen is that uh, your our president, Joe Biden, has now made clear that the number one threat to America is white supremacy. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you honestly believe that, you're an idiot. Yeah. But he does like chocolate chip ice cream. Yeah. Biden. Ah, yes. He does enjoy yeah, it. And you know what? I can't fault him for that. I like chocolate chip. And I don't like mint chocolate chip ice cream, but if it's regular chocolate chip, I, I can't fault him for that. Yeah, no, that's right. He enjoys a good, uh, good cone of ice cream. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he, uh, and, and, and look, everything's going great in the country, right? I mean, the stock market's at an all time high. Cryptocurrency's fluctuating a little bit, right? A little bit. 
Uh, we have a crisis on the border. We have inflation going out of control. We have deficits piling up. And now, Brad, we have ransomware attacking the meat industry. They've moved on from shutting down the pipeline where there is an energy crisis now in the Southeast US to attacking the uh, largest meat manufacturer and processor in the US. So now, now there is uh, some of it is putting, apparently the Russian hackers are putting your, um, uh, your, your 4th of July barbecue at risk. And the president says he is not gonna give any advice on whether or not they should, uh, the company should pay the ransom. What, what say you? Well, I, I, one, I would prefer that Russian hackers move on from oil pipelines to meat packers. I mean, if I have to choose between those two, I'm, I'm glad that's the direction that they've chosen to go. So I applaud that. Two, honestly, I prefer Joe Biden not to provide advice most of the time. Right now, if you're asking me whether the office of the president should be involved in this decision, just generally speaking, then the answer is certainly not publicly, right? But then again, most things that the office of the president does are not done publicly, right? But when you're specifically talking about Joe Biden and his performance thus far as the president, my preference is for him to stay out of most things. Well, Brad, I think we see problems uh, domestic, we see problems abroad, we talked about the UFO issues, and now we have the existential threat that uh, is the 16 uh, wild elephants that are trekking through China. 16. 16 wild elephants. They've left their natural habitat. They have uh, taken a 500 kilometer trek since last fall through China. They are now being tracked by 76 cars, nine drones, 360 people. They are leaving devastation in their wake, and they are nearing the major city of Kuming. Um, and I, I say that in the uh, appropriate Chinese dialect. Um, and there are people very concerned about this. Um, people have seen it on Twitter, in the news. They've asked President Biden about it. He has said that they are looking into the issue. But again, China being overrun by 16 wild elephants. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time you know, building a lot of, you know, personal tension over this. China's a big place, buddy, really big. And, you know, if it were 16,000 elephants or even 1,600 for that matter, I might be able to, you know, sort of conjure up some concern. But the idea of 16 elephants somehow causing, you know, as you framed it, an existential crisis in a country the size of China with the population of China to perhaps, you know, be focused on dealing with the elephants or at least some portion thereof. I'm, I'm, I'm not overly concerned. I suspect the elephants are pissed about the COVID and they're pissed about the cover-up of it leaking out of the Wuhan lab. And they're probably working their way down there to talk to some people. And I don't blame them for that. Elephants are very intelligent. They have a long memory. They're not going to forget about this. They're upset. They're unhappy. They don't like wearing masks. Nobody does. And so I suspect they're on their way, you know, to go make a formal complaint. But other than that, I, I don't think I'd be overly concerned. I would have to agree. I mean, if this is the only bad thing we have going on in China, we're in good shape. Well, the Chinese are. I mean, we've got uh, an existential threat at the border. We've got a, a crisis in energy. We've got inflation running out of control. I mean, I, I would trade the 16 elephants 
Yeah. Or what's going on with us? Well, now the update on that is two of the elements have left the group in the past week, and there are now uh, actually 14 left, but um, they have estimated the damage to be 6.8 million yuan. Which is like 40 bucks, right? Like $48, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't... Uh... Move on from that, it's not as important, and obviously if that's big China's biggest problem, what a difference a year makes, right? Last year was COVID, and now it's- Elephants. 14 and, and I don't mind elephants. Elephants are cute. Yeah, they're cute. They're wearing masks, so that's- And that's cute. helpful. Yeah, they've all been vaccinated, or they have antibodies. <laughs> uh, next, we have RIP report. This is where we take a trip down memory lane and give a, um, a salute to famous people that have left us this week. Uh, first, Brad, we've got BJ Thomas, the world-famous singer, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. I enjoyed the song, never saw him live. Didn't we see him in Vegas? Now, he's different from the guy that had the bear, right, and drove the truck. That's a different BJ. Oh, okay. That's BJ the bear. Right. That would That's be what I'm They're different, right? They are different. Okay. Uh, so he's gone, but not forgotten. And then also, Brad, Gavin McLeod, the great Gavin McLeod, who played Captain Merrill Stubing on the love mm. boat. Yes. I used to watch every Saturday night. We talk about TJ Hooker all the time and how my grandmother – was obsessed with William Shatner's pants and didn't like how tight they were. This would come on after T.J. Hooker, The Love Boat, one of the great ensemble shows of all time and a beautiful, beautiful acquuse. Uh, yes, indeed. Yeah, no, I, I, that's too bad. I mean, Bud, you and I are getting to the age now when all of our cultural icons are leaving us. It's always a difficult uh, place to get in life. But I uh, certainly The Love Boat will not be the same without the good captain. And I hope they've got someone available to them to continue to pilot it as successfully, safely, and romantically as Gavin McLeod. Well, except for the fact that they did stop, the series stopped in 1989. So I don't think we have an issue there. Yeah, the series stopped, my friend, but there's no reason to believe, there's no evidence before us that the love boat itself stopped. It's a boat. It is a boat. And it just keep on cruising. Um, IP Frequently, the number one business podcast brought to you by IPedia, the automation of innovation. Uh, next, Brad, um, the big uh, scandal at the French Open, where the number two seed, Naomi Osaka, from the wow. U.S., surprisingly enough, um, who has won a bunch of majors already, withdrew from the French Open after being forced to answer questions and sit for press conferences. And she said she had social anxiety. And so she can't do it anymore. She doesn't want to sit for press conferences. So she withdrew. And I guess my question to, to both of you is, do y'all get social anxiety to the extent where you can't sit for a press conference with a bunch of reporters when you're out there and you're good enough to compete on a global stage on the, uh, the courts of uh, Roland uh, Garros? I will say this, for, to Naomi's credit, I, 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 I can appreciate someone who is not constantly seeking the spotlight. That's nice, right? To have someone who is gifted enough at athletics where people actually care to hear what she has to say, but she is not seeking the spotlight. So if, if, if that is one of the reasons why she doesn't want to sit at the press conferences, God bless her. We need more people like that. Next uh, is COVID Corner. And uh, so the first uh, big piece of news this week is based on a Freedom of Information Act request, otherwise known as FOIA, some of the emails of Dr. Anthony Fauci have come to light. They've actually been 
um, been produced and they've been read by said media, not the same folks at the French Open, but the other people. Could have been. It turns out we have a bunch of a bunch of interesting emails where Dr. Fauci seems to be taking different positions than uh, he took at press conferences or when testifying to Congress. And we'll just go down the list and we'll talk about them. Uh, the first one is he, he testified in the past that there was no evidence that the, uh, the uh, COVID-19 emanated from the Wuhan lab. And again, Brad and I were there last week. We know um, he, he said it was more likely than not that it came from um, some natural transmission from animal to human. And uh, come to find out in emails from last year, last April, uh, Fauci was taking a different position where he was talking about how it's very likely um, that this um, uh, came from a lab, given that there was no link um, or animal link to the um, transmission to humans. So, you know, that's, that's the first thing. The second thing, masks. Um, Fauci was telling us first not to wear masks, then to wear masks because we needed to protect ourselves and everyone around us. Come to find out that in emails a year ago, he was saying that masks really aren't effective to prevent one from getting the coronavirus. And there is about a 10% uh, benefit if someone has the coronavirus, where there's a small benefit in them not being able to transmit it to other people, whether they're masked or not. And then the final item from these emails that I thought was interesting was the uh, question of natural antibodies versus the vaccine. So folks who were vaccinated uh, naturally who got the coronavirus recovered and then had built up antibodies. It seemed like um, Fauci has been saying that you not only need that, but you also need to get the vaccine. Well, come to find out in emails from late last year, Fauci says, no, the antibodies that are developed naturally are much more powerful than you would get from any of the vaccines. And so what do y'all make of this? It seems like our government may be lying to us and the most famous immunologist in the world um, by virtue of this big uh, COVID thing could just be a charlatan. Well, I mean, look, it's disturbing, obviously, right? And it's interesting to me that, you know, again, because we, we can't have a reasonable, rational discussion about anything other than obviously on this podcast, but I, I do find it somewhat disturbing that he seems to be of two minds with respect to what otherwise should be facts, right? Like either as a scientist and as a person in a position to know whether or not masks are effective, right? And because we're telling people to wear them and we're also telling them, it would be one thing to say, hey, look, everybody put on a mask. We don't know if it works or not, but let's just do it. And, and because it might, and, and if it does, that's a good thing. We were told in no uncertain terms that masks were the most effective way to stop the spread of the virus. Okay? And then also about the antibodies. I can tell you, because I did it, if you, at least for me and for my wife and, and, and my daughter, if you had the antibodies already and you got the shot, it really sucked. Like that second dose of the shot I got wiped me out, man. I felt miserable. So, you know, to now be told, hey, you didn't really need that because you already had the natural antibodies from having had the virus. That's, you know, not a fun thing to hear. But, you know, I mean, I guess we'll just have to, you know, see where the chips fall on this. I mean, I, you know, anybody who thinks Fauci is infallible or was prepared to step into the role that, that, that he was placed in, 
I, I don't know what you're thinking. Obviously, that's not true. I mean, the guy spent his entire life way behind the scenes prior to the coronavirus. No one could have told you who Anthony Fauci was. So, you know, it'll be, but it is interesting to me, not only he seems to be, you know, wrestling with some, some things that should otherwise just be factual, uh, but it's also interesting to me that, you know, one side of this wants to do nothing but talk about the, the words and perhaps not the context, while the other side wants to talk about the fact that why are we picking on Anthony, Anthony Fauci? He's a good guy. Well, yeah, that may be so, but he had an important job to do, and it seems like maybe he didn't do it. Brad, he was a good guy, but he's sneaky. Mm-hmm. And I'm he does have sure. a sneaky look about him, Em. I agree he with does. you. It's a little, it's a little uneasy. He's a little slick, yeah. slick Rick. Yeah. But I think Trump should have fired him a year ago. Yeah. He might still be president today, Brad, if he did. That's correct. Who knows? But one thing we can talk about is we can talk about one thing we do know about is space travel. And we know about the planet Venus. And of course, for all of you that have been following what we've been talking about over these many, many weeks, and it's really slotted in nicely as presidential pole position is trotted off into the sunset, are the Venera Chronicles, where we study the Soviet Union's advanced um, uh, exploration of the entire planet Venus. Right, Brad? Well, yeah, I mean, at least the little sections of it where the Venera capsules slammed into the surface. Yeah, yeah or just disintegrated into it as it entered the atmosphere. It yeah. so Which actually yeah. gives you more of a spread when you think about it. I mean, when your space vehicle is atomized in the atmosphere and then crashes into the planet's surface, you cover a lot more surface area that way. And so maybe they're crazy like a fox. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, this week we're on to Venera 8. And I think, Brad, I think this is the week these crazy kids make it. You think so? You think eight's going to do it? Well, we're going to see. I'm going to open the envelope here, and uh, we will see what happens with Venera 8. For those of you who don't want to wait for the envelope, you can also just Google search this. Uh, 118 days to reach the planet Venus with one major mid-course correction uh, in April, which I assume is just massive considering some of the corrections that have been made in the past. Um, It contained a cosmic ray detector, a solar wind detector, um, an ultraviolet spectrometer, uh, and 15 TV dinners for Yanadi Ganayan, who was the first human to actually travel to the surface of the planet Venus for a period of time. Uh, entered the atmosphere on 22 July uh, 1972 at 8.30 a.m. Venus time. The, uh, this is the first rocket that had a refrigeration unit that pre-chilled the... Um, uh, the descent capsule to keep it really cool as it sounds uh, like a good idea. Yeah, it I took mean, them it, it looks, seven other shots to figure that out, huh? Yeah, yeah, because it, it took a while, but you know, Yanadi Ganayan was uh, was uh, very uh, excited about this. Um, parachute opened, uh, it descended onto the uh, planet, and um, it uh, it uh, let, let's just see here. It uh, it landed for 15 minutes. It sent back data before it uh, failed due to the harsh surface conditions and was eviscerated forever. So even with the refrigeration unit. Yeah, but that's so good. You can keep them going for 50 minutes. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know what? That capsule was the only Russian thing to have a refrigerator in 1972. But anyway, you know what? We we the good news is uh Venera 8 didn't make it, but there's always Venera 9. Let's hope so. I, I like this Venera thing. Brad, we've now come to our final segment barred or banned Mm. uh churchill downs and we talked about this a while ago they banned or barred 
um, Bob Baffert, the uh, world famous horse trainer extraordinaire, uh, the trainer of this year's winner, Medina Spirit, uh, for doping his horse, right? The horse was uh, injected with, uh, with two gallons of adrenaline and uh, ran a hell of a race. I mean, really did uh, two times the speed of light, but- I do you would have run a hell of a race with two gallons of adrenaline. So are you trying to say barred or banned? Well, we have to decide, should Bob Baffert have been barred or should Bob Baffert have been banned? Or should Bob Baffert have been beat? <laughs> it's all bees. It's all bees this week, Brad. It ah, is. So the bee. Yeah, well, I mean, there you go. Now, let, it's just so I understand, is it just Churchill Downs? So, I mean, like Baffert's horses can't run at that one track? I mean, I realize it's a track of some importance, but is it just that one track? Or yeah. has he been banned, you know, for life? No, it's, it's from that one track. So it's the equivalent of like you being banned from the Navy, but you could still be part of the Coast Guard. Yeah, all right. One thing you cannot say if you're Bob Baffert is that you don't know the rules of horse racing, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you, you cannot take that position. And so, look, if the guy cheated, then he deserves a comeuppance. I'm for it. Ban him. Bar him. Well, see, Baffert. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree. I'm going to say, actually, um, horse racing is kind of a dull sport, okay? And so I'm going to say that this guy is a trailblazer. He is a trend setter he is a home owner he owns his own home he should put as much adrenaline to those horses as he wants quite frankly because it helps them win and so i think horse race is more entertaining when that horse shoots out of the gate like a rocket yeah does does, does the heart explode sometimes sure yes and a horse heart by the way brad is three times the size of the heart of a normal human being it's three times the size of a venera capsule and what do you think you're the tie break here one says bar or band, the other says encourage. Mm. <laughs> okay, well, let me think about this because I see both sides. Well, I don't see Brown's I side. see both barred and banned. Yeah. Because I do love a good show. Yeah. And I do love a competitive person. Yeah. Even if he has to cut and cut the rules a little bit. But I don't like when people break the rules. Uh oh, Brad's just coming down on your side. I can tell. Well, you know, I like, has I have a, a strong sense of justice. No, I applaud that. I, I am a rule follower. Yeah. Well, and then, if you don't follow the rules in life, you lose. Yeah. So you're saying Bard. I, yes. So that's that. That means, most, that most means definitely. Brad and you have outvoted me, even though I made a very compelling case for the introduction into gallons of adrenaline and other narcotics, Brad, and other narcotics into the uh, land of horse racing. But I, look, I defer. So the uh, verdict is barred and banned and whatever's the more severe. We encourage uh, everyone to send in your letters trying to help us distinguish between the two. Um, we're gonna keep an eye out on those now 14 elephants trampling through China. Again, that's a big issue, although you would think they'd just shoot them if that became a bit real problem. Um, and, uh, and, uh, we're going to keep our fingers crossed for the boys in the Soviet Union. Maybe. I think what I think. you need to ask yourself, buddy, is where was Bob Baffert when those elephants started? Oh, that's a good point. They are acting a little crazy. Yeah, they are. That's uh, an adrenalized behavior out of those elephants. And I bet you Mr. Baffert has no good alibi as to his whereabouts when those elephants got riled up. Well, all right, buddy. I mean, I, again, once again, I think we've covered all the topics that needed covering from elephants to horses to doctors of virology. I think we're set. And then, so we'll hope that uh, everybody out there enjoys the show, whether you're in our live studio audience, whether you're listening on the shortwave radio 
or whether you get your podcasts on the internet. And we hope to see you again next week here on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.